Brought to you by BedroomBattlefields.com, this is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. I've just finished work, so I'm I'm all I'm all excited and ready to go on this podcasting yeah. journey you're about to lead me on. <laughs> well, you've talked it up now. I better deliver. Well, yeah. you're here. You're here to deliver. I just need to ask some questions. Um, I'll give you a bit of background, Dan. I was uh, I was at Tabletop Scotland uh, last weekend, and uh, I've I've got a two-year-old daughter so I've been very keen to like find a game that I could get her into sooner rather than later mm-hmm. and I've been on I've been on my google machine looking for a uh, looking for like dungeon crawlers for kids and stuff like that so I, I obviously didn't do a great job but walked into tabletop Scotland and there's this brilliant looking wee game called Cora Quest so uh, got talking to to your man at the at the stand uh, bought a copy went home read the rules and that and I'm I'm really enamoured with it so I am fortunate now that you've agreed to come on the show and and give us a bit of background behind it so well that that, that that's all right thank you I'm, I'm, thank you for buying it and thank you for being even th- more thank you for being enamoured with it that's uh that's nice to hear <laughs> so I know you're one half of the team aren't you so it's your daughter Cora that's your your co co-conspirator here isn't it yeah yeah shall i just launch do you want me to just launch into it is, yeah is, yeah, definitely. yeah yeah let's get a bit back yeah. yeah so 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 it all kind of started in um the, the the covid lockdown right right kind of at the beginning of the covid lockdown where schools were all on the kind of back foot so so they were meant to be doing um you know homeschooling and stuff but the stuff they were sending through was quite uninspiring it was kind of research the romans on the internet type type stuff and we were both getting quite bored of of doing that really so just on myself and my daughter um cora um she was eight at the time we, we've we've been into board gaming for for a long long time it's been quite a a big part of our lives really and, and certainly a big part of the relationship we have with each other and so i kind of just just on the on this kind of spur of the moment I said did you fancy designing a board game and she was you know she was well up for it she oh yeah yeah that that, that. and and on and so we just we just started putting something together for us, and I asked her what she wanted to do. Um, and we'd recently been playing quite a lot of Zombie Side and quite a lot of um, Funkoverse. I don't know if you've ever played the Funkoverse kind of uh, uh, skirmish game. And and so and and so she wanted to do something that was a bit like that, but she also wanted to do something that that because previously she she'd sat in, you know sneakily stuck downstairs while my friends and I were playing D&D and all that kind of thing. So she said she wanted to do something a bit like that as well, where we can do adventures and things like that. And as you, as you know, from, from the, um, the Google searching you've probably done, there's, there's actually quite a, there's a lot of board games for kids and families, which are more kind of Euro game focused, more kind of cerebral almost, but there's not a lot of narrative driven stories and not a lot, not a lot of dungeon crawlers. Basically there are some, there are some. There's um, there's Karak is very popular. There's Mice and Mystics, which is uh, also very popular, um, but but not not that many. And so she wanted to design that. So so we we set off and we, and and basically she managed most of the the mechanics. If I'm absolutely honest, and we put together this game. It was only ever meant to be played on our kitchen table, and it was a kind of amalgamation of of Zombie Side and Funkoverse and and various other things and 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 bits bits and bobs from from all over the place. Um, and and kind of boiled down to 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 be easy to play because we wanted to play it. 
And then my friend Gary, uh, I, I mentioned this on on, face, on a Facebook group that I run. And my friend Gary, who's a very talented artist, he, for a joke, kind of mocked up a, a box cover saying, coming soon to Kickstarter, Cora Quest, you know, riffing on the name of Hero Quest and things. And and you know when you, you have one of those ideas and you go, oh, I did, it never even occurred to me, but I thought, you know, we could, we could develop this and we could, we could do it. And, and I asked Gary if he was, you know, Gary said, well, no, no, I'll, I'll be up for developing it. Um, and I'll be up for doing the art and things because Gary's a fantastic artist. And, um, and so we originally started, I'd started kind of developing the game that Cora and I had come, come up together. And I kind of, we started refining it a little bit. And then we, we put it out as a print and play initially. And, and, and a few of my friends and various people played the print and play. And then they gave feedback and that, and that, and that enabled us to kind of, refine it even more and make it even more kid friendly and, and take off all the rough edges and things like that until we got a game where we thought, you know, there's a gap in the market for this kind of stuff. And, and should we just do it? Um, and so we put together a Kickstarter and I, I got Mark Cook involved, which is probably the chap you talk to over in, um, uh, over at Tabletop Scotland, who, who now runs Bright Eye Games, but at the time didn't, but he, he was working for another board game company and he agreed on his spare time to, to help us out with, the kind of logistics of, you know, how do you get things manufactured and all that? Because me and Gary got no idea, and Cora's got no idea as well. So so, so it, it kind of snowballed from there, really. We took it to Kickstarter, and we were expect we were hoping to kind of sell 500 copies in order we could get it made, you know, this old, this passion project and things. And we ended up we ended up selling, I think it was, well, over over 6,000, I think, in the end. And, and me, me and Cora ended up on BBC Breakfast TV and all sorts of stuff. It was, a, it was quite a whirlwind really um and and then and then we've got this game and it, it's fantastic because it's it's something that that started on our kitchen table as just something fun and, and something innocent and not not nothing kind of there was no kind of cynicism behind it there was no kind of oh yeah let, let's make a game and market it and then it just kind of kept progressing and progressing and progressing until suddenly i find myself as a a published board game designer, and even more excitingly, my, my daughter finds herself as a published board game designer and a published board game artist because the other thing we did, because it all kind of grew up quite organically, um, is we got people to send in the pictures that their kids have drawn of various monsters and things like that. And then what Gary does is is he he traces over those on a on a on a kind of a, an iPad basically, um, but on a on a drawing app, and then kind of colours them in and, and makes kind of refines them. So, I mean, you'll have seen the art there. It's all done by kids, but it's also it's also really good. Not quite, I mean, kids, it's fine quality, but you know I mean? it, it's just kind of bumped up a little bit by by Gary's colouring in. And it, 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 it's a unique art style, I think. It's not, not something I've seen anywhere else. Uh, and it really adds to the kind of, you know, punk rock let's make a board game let's do something let's let's you know anyone can do this kind of stuff type aesthetic mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's got a, it's got a real flavor to it you know the whole package it's just got a a very distinctive sort of look and feel about it doesn't it um and it's a uh, yes it's it's nuts that you're saying like that you hadn't made a game before because i I pre-assumed, you know, I didn't really look too much into this. I just thought maybe that was something that you were involved in anyway. So, you know, it was it seemed like a natural thing to do. But the fact that it's, it's kind of been so organic is, you know, it's, it's all the more impressive, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's been... It, 
it was the defining kind of defining kind of thing of 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 lockdown for for me and me and Cora and the stories. It's it's a dungeon crawler, but it's got quite a strong narrative throughout it. It's not it's not campaign campaigns because I don't know about you, but I, I play campaign games and you play the first game. And then you don't play it for a while, so you play the first game again, and you don't play. It. You know what I mean? It takes. Mm-hmm. I, I like having um, it more modular than that, so you can you can you can jump in at any point during that quest book or whatever. And, and the stories in the campaign, the stories in the in the in the quests are all stories that kind of came from a place where I used to tell these to my Cora's my youngest child. She's she's now she's now eleven, but I've, I've also got a twenty year old and a, and a sixteen year old. So these are stories that I used to tell them when they were two and three, and 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 when we went on walks, I used to tell them stories about Wizard Pebble Dash and his spoon collecting and all that kind of stuff. So it's all kind of it, it kind of felt like a lot of things have come together to to make this and 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 it, it's it's been really exciting. But yeah, no, I'd never never designed a board game. Um, or, or anything really before. Um, done done a bit of writing and things, but but not 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 that. But but I don't think that matters. I think anyone can do it, and and this shows it. And and to be honest, honestly, Cora did the majority of the. I'd, I'd even say Cora did the certainly the mechanics of the game. She was the designer of the mechanics of the game, with a bit of kind of help from me saying, "Well, have you thought about doing this and that?" But it was more kind of a, a, a mentor rather than a co-designer and then i'm i was almost the the developer of the game so i kind of i did a lot of the play testing because i'll tell you what that's a that's a process and a half you know playing playing one way of ruining a core's excitement about the game would be making her play it through a hundred times you know what i mean she, she did a, she did a fair share of play testing but i i did most of it and and then that helped me um just kind of smooth off some of the rough edges and 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 introduce some 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 mechanics that I'm, I'm quite proud of and things like that so so um so yeah Cool. I, I want to sort of dig into the, the game itself and a couple of things I want to ask you about. But first, um, just curious to to learn a bit about your background in terms of playing games. You know, what did you sort of, what games did you grow up playing, and and what sort of stuff has that evolved into in recent years? Well, I, I mean, growing up, my favourite game was um, uh, Survive: Escape from Atlantis. Do you remember that one with the the, the plastic um, island you've got to to escape from and things like that. I also played a lot of Lost Valley of the Dinosaurs. I, I was playing a lot of games as a kid. And also I used to make up games for my brother and sister to play as well. So so kind of not necessarily board games, but but kind of variations of TIG and hide and seek and all that kind of stuff. So so I have I, I was I was kind of messing with board game designs from an early age, I suppose. And then I, I got into Warhammer and Necromunda and and um this is in the old days. I'm, a, I'm an old man by the way, so so uh so you can't see me but I am. I'm, I'm a grey beard. So this was kind of first uh, This is an old man's podcast. Fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was kind of Blood Bowl and the first edition of Necromunda and and D&D and stuff like that. And that was a kind of while I was 18 between the kind of ages of 18 and and, and 21 really I, I got actually no not 18 16 and 21 got really into all that kind of stuff and and had my badly painted blood bowl team and all that kind of stuff and then as as things do you, you kind of you kind of drift away from gaming and 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 and, and then i picked it up about again about who i think it's probably about 10 12 years ago now and and that was more kind of board gaming um rather than the warhammer and the D and stuff and then I, 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 myself and Cora used to do um, reviews of family games. That's that's how that's how she kind of got into it. I was we did a lot of um, reviews of of kids games on the Dice Tower. I don't know if you've heard of the Dice Tower, but um, there's a quite a, quite a big uh, 
board gaming YouTube channel in um, in, in the board gaming world, and we used to do some some board game reviews for them about family games and kids games and stuff like that. And and so so I was I was playing a lot of kids games with Core, and then also I was playing a lot of adults kind of more kind of complex games with with my friends as well so board games been a massive part of my life for the past 10 years or so and 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 then into that comes a kind of re re, re um i don't know reinterest in 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 kind of minis gaming as well um but more kind of i, I, I can't be bothered with buying these big armies anymore so so the, the stuff i've been doing is more kind of kill team and, and frost grave and and kind of skirmishy games rather than rather than the the big Warhammer armies these days, um, and and I got back in D and D as well. So so yeah, I've, I, I can't remember what the question was, but but that's what I've been doing in gaming um, for for a while. What about uh, what about getting Cora into gaming? Then you know, what sort of age did she start taking an interest and was able to start tentatively getting involved in some games with you? I think we started doing videos at the age of four when she was four. Um, and I think from about three onwards, we were playing board games. I've got I've got two other kids that now my my son who's now um, I said he was six yeah sixteen um, he he's massively into games now as well but but he he wasn't when he was younger my, my eldest daughter she's never been into games and and I think really as a parent you've got to got to realize that some kids will like games and some kids won't just because it's your hobby doesn't mean to say it has to be their hobby type type thing so the worst thing you can do when introducing a, a a child to board games is push them push them push and say you know force them to play it because if you force a kid to play something they don't want to do um they're going to resent it um very very quickly so so it's kind of going at their pace really and 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 things but yeah about about three or four i mean there's there's a game called hullabaloo which is a a kind of electronic game done by um the people who do cranium which was which was absolutely wonderful and and that was our first ever review and and we played that and there's lots of kind of harbor games as well or harbor rather um and and see even some of the um orchard my games you know I, I used to go to charity shops and and buy loads of stuff for like a quid each and then just try them out on and some some worked and that was fine and some didn't, and that was fine because it was so cheap. It didn't matter if she didn't like it and things. It takes a while. The games for, for, for children of kind of age three and up, three to, to kind of five to six, it, sometimes you have to bite your, bite your tongue a little bit because they're, they're usually not great games. Some of them are good, but most of them are for, for, to play as an adult. The thing we wanted to do with Core Quest is, is create a game that was as fun to play for the grown-up as it was for the child Um that was one of our, our big aims. Cor and I wanted a game we could enjoy together rather than a game um, that was just designed for one of us, really. Yeah, I, th I think that's what strikes me. Again, I'm not like an expert or some vastly experienced gamer or anything like that, but going through the rules and, you know, I could just see this working with like me and my pal playing, you know, with miniatures and I could see it working, you know, with my daughter in, in one or two years. So it's like, it's quite incredible to have hit that sweet spot and with just such an elegant simplistic but not like stupidly simple rule set so yeah it, it, it's interesting because core was very keen on having um for example one one of the big decisions we made right early on was whether we we're going to have line of sight basically um so obviously line of sight is kind of ranged character hit hit a, an orc if his friend's standing in the way so he can't see him properly 
Um, and to take that out completely would make the game a lot more simple um, and would, would suit bringing the age kind of range of the game down. But also, it would it would mean that it wouldn't be as tactical. And, and if, you, if it's not quite as tactical, then it's not quite as tense um, and it would be more random and you, it wouldn't be quite as satisfying. And and, and I, I was actually advocating for, for not having line of sight or having some kind of line of sight saying, you know, if they're, if they're within five spaces, you can you can hit them or, or, or whatever. But Cora was like, no, no, because that person's in the way, you can't see past him, or that wall's in the way, you can't see past him. So, so, needs to, so it, it was... It was quite a process to to work out how difficult the rules were going to be because it needed to be pared down because he wanted it to be suitable for children of well, basically of chorus age at eight, but also ideally lower than that. But but you kind of that that was my that was our absolute must that Cora must enjoy playing it without without you know it can't be too complex basically rules wise. But also, I think I think we can. I think kids are often a bit a bit better at grasping rules, especially if they're um, if they're kind of intuitive rules that then we give them credit for. So line of sight is you know basically if you if you can't draw a line from from the square to to another square without going through something that might get in your way, then you can't see them. And so so we decided to keep that in, or she decided to keep that in. And I the other thing we we didn't do. Was we at the start? We had numbers. When you rolled a dice, you rolled a d, you know, a d six. You you found out what number it was, and you found out whether you needed to. Does a six hit him with a toughness of three? And we we started on that kind of um, line, and then and it, it came quite apparent that really we don't need that. We just need to know if it hits or not. That's the important question, not if it what the number is. So we just said, well, why don't we just have a a big splat on the dice to show bang you hit rather than you know, have to go to a table or something like that. So, um, so that was something that we did pare down. So, so, so the difficulty. I mean, the, the game says six and up. Many people have played it with four and up and and, and worked fine. Um, it always depends on on the kid, really. That, that that's a problem. You can't say all all six year olds can play this and all four year olds can play that and things like that. It just depends on 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 the child and, and how they kind of their brain works, really. But um, but the kind of caveat to that is it's usually we're saying that with a grown up to to kind of help as well but because it's a narrative and because it's a story and because it's a a, a, a let's pretend of going around a dungeon and beating things up and stuff like that the, the rules are a lot easier to grasp because they kind of make sense intuitively and and therefore kids are able to grasp them a lot easier well, a couple of the things I, I wanted to ask you about you know rules wise um one thing i really really like the idea of is this countdown phase that kind of not not encourages you, almost forces you to go and keep exploring the dungeon because if you don't, you're going to get um, more enemies on the board, aren't you? You're going to yeah, get all these spiders yeah. turning up. So how, how did the idea for that come about? Well, I'd like to say it wasn't stolen. Um, well, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't stolen, actually. We, we came up with that, that we wanted to characters have special abilities and we wanted them not to have to be able to use them each round. And so we kind of stole a mechanic of a countdown track from Funkiverse, um, which is basically, uh, you you know, you, when your character does an action, you put a little token on something and, and you have to wait till it comes, put a little token on a track and you have to wait till it comes off the bottom of the track before you can do the thing again. And then we were, we were, we were playing it and 
we were it's one of those things where you're playing your game how you play your game so we were running around the dungeon beating things up you know opening treasure boxes being adventurers and things like that and and taking risks and and kind of swashbuckling our way through this dungeon then we played it with somebody else and they basically said well i'll just kill one enemy at a time and we'll open this this room we'll wait till we've killed everybody in there then we'll go to the next room, wait till we killed everyone in there. And I was thinking, well, that's too easy. You can't, that's not how the game's meant to be played. <laughs> but, but I suppose you, you, you know, you can't, if you're going to, if you're going to say to people, that's not how the game's supposed to be played. You've got to give kind of carrots and sticks to, to stop them. So, so the, the, the basic carrot on stick is if you don't keep moving, um, then all of a sudden spiders are going to start popping up all over the dungeon and coming to attack you. Now, they won't end your game, and there are some times where you do need to stop and t- handle what's going on because the thing about keeping moving is you're spawning new enemies as well. So so it's just a way of keeping the game moving along and progressing and not letting it bog down in, in, in two overly cautious people, uh, players, but yet giving the flexibility of being able to set the pace to some extent yourself. Um, you'll find most dungeon crawlers have some kind of mechanic where you, where they make it almost a race to get to the end. There's very few ones which don't have some kind of timer because if you're allowed to just take things really, really leisurely, then you, you just you just kill one thing at a time. and It's, it's a boring game, to be honest. So it's to, mm. to add some of that tension there, really. Another uh, another wee thing that I like the look of is the the determined status. So from what I understand, if you uh, if you don't hit at all, one of your characters doesn't hit at all, they become determined, and then they they get a bit bit of a boost in the the next try, don't they? They they do, yeah. If if you don't hit with your rolls on 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 the on one one attack, then you flip your card over and you you roll an extra dice next time. And I mean. I don't know about you, but when I when I miss, I'm sulky enough, and I'm not you know six years old. So so it, it was all designed to help combat that kind of feeling of frustration, because sometimes it's good to be frustrated in the game. Some, sometimes frustration can mean tension, but also sometimes frustration can mean flipping the table and never playing the game again, basically. So and 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 it's no fun to miss every single time. Um, and so what we did was 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 just decide and and this was the thing that i said i was quite proud of because this was this came out in kind of play testing this was this was my bit of the game the, the bit i did not that my daughter can take all the credit for um is is that yeah so basically if you miss then you get to roll more dice next time and you keep on rolling those more dice until you hit and then you go back to your normal kind of dice allocation really and 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 through that kind of mitigate some of that frustration that kids can feel and adults can feel about losing and i've I've heard people say my kid was disappointed they missed because they wanted to roll more dice next time um and it you know if if you're gonna start going down the kind of uh learning life lessons type thing it's it's a good thing to know you know you miss and then you become more determined you try harder and you you might get it next time you got you know all that kind of stuff so um so yeah no I'm, i'm pleased with the determined mechanic as well i think i think it's i think it's really good (laughs) <laughs> I know it's my game. I'm not meant to say stuff like that, but I do. <laughs> no, it's um, it's a n- nice wee consolation to a, a, a series of bad rolls, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing worse than getting whiff, whiff after whiff after whiff, and it's still and it still can happen. I mean that that was that was the other thing. Whether it was going to be dice at all or automatic hits and things like that, but I I think dice. I think it's important to um, have randomness in games. I think I think that's as I say, we wanted it to be a tense game. We wanted it to be exciting. 
um, and it's not exciting if you know you're going to hit type type thing. So so dice are a really cheap and easy way of getting excitement into a game, in my opinion. Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now back to the show. Can you talk to us a wee bit about like the setting? I mean, obviously it's a dungeon, but the, the setting, the characters, and the the baddies that they're up against in that dungeon. Yeah, well, uh, it's it, it's um it's a whimsical world. It's set in. It, they all revolve around um, this this character called Wizard Pebble Dash, who again, as I say, is a a character that I I invented while I was out walking with my kids and they were getting bored, and so I started telling them stories about who lived in that castle over there. Which was actually a, a British Waterways kind of um, electricity box or something like that. I don't know, but anyway. Um, so and and it, it, he's got two assistants, Kevin and Annabelle, who are both gnomes, and and they get into all sorts of problems. And basically, it's the the heroes, the adventurers' job to to save them from whatever kind of ridiculous scheme they've got um, caught up in. Um, I never say the word kill in in the game because. I, it's not that I don't think uh, it's a. I mean, it's a violent game. You're, you're going around attacking orcs and goblins and gremlins and and baddies and stuff like that. But you're always defeating them. You never you're never killing them. Every single time I play with a kid, they'll go, "I've killed him! Oh, I'm going to smash his head in." So 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 I don't know. It's probably more for the adult sensibilities than it is for the kids. But but still, you're defeating things. Everything's very whimsical. One of the one of the quests is to go and rescue a cheesecake that the the goblins have stolen and taken down into the thing. The other one is Kevin and Annabelle have left um, all the taps on in the dungeon. It's started to flood, so they got to, you got to run down there and turn all the taps off. Um, you know, you, you you're trying to find an alien who's who's gone down into the dungeon. As I say, the the the, the world exists. I've actually written a, a kids book. Actually, um, this is a, a world exclusive, which I'm 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 developing. And, and maybe releasing soon. That's set in the world as well, like a kids uh, reading, you know, chapter book for for kind of kids of kind of six to to eleven to read for themselves and stuff. It, it, I, I, yeah, it's just a whimsical, silly. Um, it's meant to be funny. There's there's fat jokes in it. You know, there's people getting stabbed in the bum, um, and you know, it, it, it's all designed to make children giggle and laugh and, and feel a bit superior to silly Kevin and Gnome who who's gone down into the, the dungeon to try and find a pet and end up getting captured by a snake, a giant snake. And, uh, you know, the, the giant snake's name is Sly- Slithers McBiscuit. It's, it's all just silliness, really. Um, but but we, we found the kids – I'm really pleased because, it, 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 as I say, this it's the, that world was my contribution as much as anything. And and that was from all the kids' stories I used to tell them um, – you know when they were when they were all little, so I'm I'm really pleased I've managed to put that down in print, so it's uh, safe pos- posterity, really posterity, pos anyway, whatever, <laughs> whatever that word is. Uh, it's, a, it's a good point about the killing thing as well. I'm, I'm just thinking there. Uh, nobody ever that nobody ever got killed in the Thundercats or He Man, but there was plenty no. of sword waving, wasn't there? So there, there was plenty of sword waving, and and um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I I don't think I don't think kids really appreciate what killing is so i don't think it's a but um but you know 
by just saying you've defeated them um, and they, they rub their heads and go away and come back another day just means that, uh, I don't know, it just, 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 just means that the parent can control kind of what level of, of, of violence the game portrays, really. <laughs> Gave the orc a right good kick in. Yeah, nobody exactly. Died. <laughs> no one died, so it's all right. The um, Obviously, like you're using standees rather than miniatures, and, and that's great because we've got this really good artwork for the kids. Have you ever thought about like doing miniatures in the future, potentially? We did think about miniatures. Um, the thing that I'm really passionate about is um, accessibility, um, that games should be accessible for people. And, well, there's two reasons we didn't do miniatures. One, we had no experience with miniatures. Um, and, well, we didn't have any experience with anything. But one thing I've learned in, in doing all my research for, for this project and things like that is as soon as you start putting miniatures into your game, you, you up the, the complication level 700 times and you're at risk of it all falling around your, your head you know you risk of not delivering to your backers and all that kind of stuff so so we didn't feel competent to do miniatures initially and also um the we i i love with a passion the art in 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 the game so i was keen keen to do the standees for that but also i don't know if you've seen but we have uh, an app um on on the web on our website where kids can draw their own pictures um, because one of the things about using children's pictures is that kids feel they can make their own characters for it. So they can draw their own pictures, they can um, put their own stats in and things like that, and then we can it'll, it'll print out a standee, or you know, you'd have to put glue it to some cardboard, but print out a standee and a character card for your own advent, for your own hero or your own monster. So. By having standees, it means that kids can make their own heroes, and 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 that's again goes with the punk rock aesthetic, the punk rock kind of ethos behind the game is anyone can make a board game. You, we made this, but you can change it if you want to. You can write your own adventures, and you can even have your own heroes. And we've had people, um, people made their entire families, including the dog, and they they take them on the the quest around the dungeons rather than um, rather than the characters that we've provided and stuff. So. So yeah, so by having miniatures, we we would that that wouldn't work really. Um, so no, we haven't really considered miniatures to be honest. I, I do like minis, but um, but I, I'm happy that this game is is accessible in that it's cheaper. It's it's a cheap game um, or relatively cheap, and and if it was a minis game, it would be like a hundred quid or something like that. And we just couldn't, you know that that would that would that would bar a lot of families from playing it basically. Mm-hmm. I suppose, like the the good news is for any listeners, like you could get this game and you could just because you've got a great wee homebrew guide in there, which I'll ask you a wee bit about. But um, you know, people could use their miniature collection, can't they? They could, they could. Yeah, just, yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, I mean, we, miniatures. We we started playing with miniatures because it was created using the uh, miniatures from the Lord of the Rings um, game from Fantasy Flight, the um, the one with an app. Uh, the, I can't remember what it's called now. Lord, anyway, we, yeah, so we were playing with miniatures. And also, we've had people play, make their characters, even our characters, on Hero Forge, you know, the 3D printing uh, minis type stuff. So one of our characters is, is in a wheelchair, and there's, they've actually got a wheelchair um, in on Hero Forge. So we've seen... Someone sent us a picture of them using the miniatures, with including the sword girl who's who's in a wheelchair, and it's the mini's got a wheelchair as well, which is which is awesome. So yeah, I mean the the baddies we've got are pretty generic: um, gremlins, goblins, and, and orcs. Um, there's some which are a bit more um, unusual, like a, a hedgy corn and a and a um, uh, thunder McScruggins, which is kind of like a big yeti type 
creature. But but you could use any miniatures really, and 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 that's one of the things that we really do encourage is people to. What we wanted to do is 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 get people to say in our house we play Cora Quest like this and and let just like me and Cora had the joy of creation in in creating the game we wanted to encourage other people to have the joy of creation in creation in adapting it or 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 making their own characters or making their own monsters or making their own treasures and all sorts of stuff so so we always said if you don't like something change it you know this is your game you bought it, it, it we're not precious about that kind of stuff we really encourage customization. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's a good wee guide that you put in because it just um, explains really easily, like like you're just saying, how to create your own heroes, your own monsters, and you know a very easy guide to to kind of you know what kind of characters you want to create, and here are good templates for them. So, um, what's what's the you've mentioned like a Facebook group and that? What's the community like these days? It sounds like you've got a really active community. Yeah, yeah, we're really active. Um, we've got I think I think about. Two, three thousand people in the Facebook group, which is amazing. Um, people send us in um, adventures they've written. They send us in characters they've made and things like that. And I tend to, well, it tends to come in spurts, but I tend to put I put that on the website so other people can look at it and and publicise it. In the fa- it's mainly through, as I said, I don't know if I mentioned to you before, but I'm a very old man, so it's mainly through Facebook all this goes on rather than Instagram and tiktok and all that kind of stuff because i don't know what i'm doing on all that kind of stuff i'm comfortable with facebook so we got we got a large facebook group um that that we we get a lot of things for and, and obviously there's some people that's been with us right from the beginning some people whose kids art has been in it right from the start and things so that that of often that really does kind of encourage a great community around the game because because people feel an ownership of it really um and and as they quite rightly should do because because they helped us make it we originally went on did it on kickstarter and that and that also is a very community driven type type thing it's it's now being published through bright eye games which is fantastic um so it's it's gotten a, which means i don't have to worry about logistics and things like that because i'm not really a businessman if i'm absolutely honest but um but it was it was it was worth it to to get it all off the ground, but um but yeah so so the community is really really solid um and there's often people posting pictures of where they've seen the game in a shop in kind of someone posted one from Korea saying they found found it in South Korea and and then someone someone uh, and, and people posting pictures of the kids playing it or pictures of stuff their um, kids have drawn for it and, and things like that. It's lovely. It's, 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 it's really nice for me and Cora to see because, as I say, the, the whole thing of it starting on our kitchen table and then, you know, three years later, we're getting emails from people in Korea saying how much they enjoy playing the game. It's just absolutely flabbergasting, really. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a total whirlwind. You're talking there about, you know, on the BBC breakfast show and stuff like that. You were in a few newspapers. So what what was it like with the, the TV crew? Did they come to the house and that? <laughs> no, because it was in the middle of lockdown. Um, because we, we created the, the game in lock, the first lockdown and then it was all kick-starting um, in the third lockdown. The miserable lockdown. I don't know if you... It seems a long it's, winter. The long winter, yeah. So, so really, I mean, we were exceptionally lucky. It was a, a good news story. It was related to the lockdown. Um, Corey's very charismatic um, on camera. So it was all done from where I'm sat now, to be honest. It was all done via webcam. So so we're there sat chatting to a blank screen, and downstairs my wife and my other kids are watching us on BBC Breakfast News because it was all live as well. It's absolutely terrifying. Cora, Cora wasn't terrified, but I was. I think in, in one day we did um, – 
BBC Breakfast, we had an interview with The Guardian and uh, we were on local, lo- two local um, news channels as well. It was incredible. Um, very privileged, um, very privileged indeed. I, I, I can't, I, you know, it was, it's all luck and good timing and it wasn't deliberate good timing. It was just um, the right place and the right time, really. But it it, it got us a, a wider audience, certainly. And, and also it started getting us talked about within the, the, the board gaming world because one thing... As you, as you know, it's like with Henry Cavill, isn't it? One thing that that us, us us geeks love is when when our hobbies in the mainstream news, and you go, "Oh, look at this! They're talking about us in here." Mm-hmm. Or something. Talking about some Graham Norton and all that kind of stuff, and then that gets shared around everywhere. And so that that was what was happening on the Facebook groups for that kind of week or two. So that was really helpful to our to our Kickstarter, to be honest, not to be too cynical about it. But yeah, but but Cora just took it in a strike because it was just her talking to a webcam, which she's used to doing. Uh, mm. Whereas me, I was I was sweating. Um, especially I was, I was meant to be out, I was meant to be at work on one of the days. I was meant to start the the, the thing was that I think it was that we were on at like quarter past eight in the morning and I, I start work at eight. Um, but I worked from home at that, that point and I thought, can I get away with being on breakfast TV while I'm meant to be at work? I thought, oh, go on, I'll have, I'll have a go. And I'm sure my manager won't mind. And it was, it was all, all right, but it was just kind of, oh, well, yeah, it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind. What's it been like for Cora with like her pals and, you know, going to school and that? Has, has she got a lot of positive feedback about it? Yeah, she's got friends who play it. Um, my my uh, niece and nephew um, continue to refuse to believe that we did it. That's that's a problem. That's probably being the jokey uncle who lies to them all the time, you know, and 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 tells them I don't know, tells them a load of rubbish. Is that when you actually do tell them something? No, you didn't. You lie, Uncle Dan. You didn't make that. I did. It's my name. But um, yeah, uh, certainly. Her friends all her friends all played it. She's she's taken it to school. She she gave a copy to the the school as well. Um, she just left the primary school that she was she was in. So so that was that was nice. She got a leaving card from them with with a picture of her and Cora, the box for Cora Quest on it. She's she's very proud of it. She's reaching kind of she's approaching teenage years. So so sometimes she pretends not to be proud of it. But we go to um we go to cons now and again we went to the uk games expo recently um and we were down on the booth there watching people play it and 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 she signed a few box copies which which made her very pleased and all that kind of stuff so so she's she's really proud of it really um and she should be because as i say it, it really what did most of it came from her so so she should be proud of it it, it it's going to be something that's going to um follow her hopefully I'm, I'm hoping kind of when she's 80 years old she'll be bringing the, the copy down from the from the shelf to play with her great grandkids and say you know when, when i made this when i was a <laughs> when i was a little girl and stuff like that that's kind of my my dream but um but yeah yeah it, it it's something she's she's proud of although in a in a kind of proto-teenage way she's starting to kind of tell me to, oh shut up <laughs> I, I went i went we went to dublin the other day and i um we had a look in the shop there because we um, uh, to see they there were stocking Cora Quests. And I, I kept saying, "I wonder if they've got Cora Quests in this shop." And then she <laughs> shut up, Dad. I've heard that's very good. I've heard the design of that are very good looking. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they didn't have it in Dublin, but they had it in Canterbury where we went the other day. So that was that was quite exciting for her. But yeah, no, it's great. I mean, what what an achievement to have under your belt at, at that age. Um, an achievement that most of us will, will never have at all. So it's it's brilliant. Um, and I, I hear that, uh, or I don't hear, I know that there are expansions or at least an expansion available. Is that right? 
No, it's not available yet. It's currently sitting in a warehouse in China, waiting for the ships to pick it up. Um, yeah, we kickstarted. A, uh, we did a second Kickstarter for an expansion um, this time last year, basically, and it's it's all been designed and stuff. And, and this one, this one introduces campaign rules for people who do want to play a campaign, um, and also ways of leveling up characters and things like that, which which people have been asking for, as well as it's it's one of those more of everything things. There's more dungeon. There's more heroes. There's more enemies there's more there's more everything basically and campaign rules um and and that that was a lot of fun to do actually yeah so that's that's going to be available hopefully at the end of this year um should be fulfilling to backers um end of october is is the the hope if we can get someone to pick it up from the factory but anyway that's a, that's a different thing I'm not, as I say, I'm not. I'm not good at this kind of stuff. It, yeah. Not, not that it's not going to happen, but just waiting for people to actually answer emails and do stuff is very frustrating. Where's the uh, Where's the best place for the listener to to keep up with developments and news and things like that? New releases. Um, well, if they, if they go onto Facebook, uh, the, the core request, if you search for core request on Facebook, you should, should be able to find the, the core request, uh, Facebook group. That's definitely the, the best place to, to look. We also post a kind of board game geek. I don't know if you're aware of that website. That's, that's a big kind of database of, um, of board games and, and, and we'll post news there as well. But, but Facebook is really where it's at. I think, um, if you go to now brighteyegames.com, um, they have a newsletter that you can sign up to if you're not a Facebook person, and that they'll send you any kind of information about it, that kind of stuff. Um, the base game's available in the shops now, um, and the the expansion should be Christmas time ish. Do you and ever? Uh, do you ever just have a game at still, or have you played it so much that you you just choose another game and get together? <laughs> we do, we do, we do play it now and again. I'm I'm very careful that I need it to be a positive thing, which is why I kept her out of a lot of the playtesting. If you see what I mean, like like with this expansion we did, we we created the the kind of stories together, and then I went away and playtested and brought them back when they had major changes and checked with her. So she must have playtested each kind of quest three or four times maybe because i did it like 20 times 50 times i don't know a quest and 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 you know until my until i never wanted to see the blooming dungeon again to be honest um i mean i think that's that's the curse of the board game designer i suspect is that you uh you grow to to be absolutely sick of your own game because you need to make sure it's right but um but no we do we do kind of crack it out she she really likes we rarely play just us two anymore what she really likes is when her friends come over and we can play it together and she can see the enjoyment in in other people and 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 that that gives her real pride um so the last time we played it was with my niece and nephew who as i say refused to believe that we could ever create something um like that but um (laughs) but but she very much enjoyed playing with them yeah great stuff and uh, we know that the expansions on its way what uh, what does the future hold you know if, if if you've thought about it have you thought about trying another game at some point in the future doing something else yeah i've 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 i've, I've i'm most of the way through a design of another game without cora um she's she's as far as she's concerned she's she's done now um uh so she, she's not really that interested in in doing any more game design at this point in time, and and one one of the things I've learned as a parent, making mistakes as we as we all do, is not to push a child into something she's not enthusiastic about, because 
unless obviously it's school or something like that. But do you know what I mean? Because because it will just create resentment, really. So the last thing I want to do is resent that that process and that the experience we shared together. So I'm not pushing a I'm not pushing her to make any more games and things. We have we have tinkered with a few more designs. We we looked at a, a there's no kids games with spaceships in them, and I've got no idea why. Like where you're flying around going pew 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 pew. There's 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 none. Now that's wrong in my opinion, but still. Um, so, so we did tinker with that, but but it kind of fizzled out a little bit. I've co-designed a game with a chap called Mike Delicio, who's one of the Dice Tower um, people, um, and who I do a podcast with. Um, and and he he and I have, have that's but that's based on pure nostalgia. That's all about making a mixtape um, um, for, for for someone you've got a crush on and trying to make the best mixtape for them, um, so you can woo them. Um, but that's 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 a that's a Grown-ups game, as I say, it's, a, it's you know it's a simple game. It's a, it's it's not aimed at kids. Um, but next for Core Quest, I don't know really. I mean, the expansion's coming out. We haven't got any plans for another one. Uh, I suppose I could be persuaded into it by by Mark if 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 this one you know does really really well. As I say, I've been I've been tinkering around with writing a bit of a kids book uh, set in that world. So so that's likely to to come out even if it's only self-published um at some point but but yeah i i, I fell into core quest and so I, that's how i do a lot of things in my life i just fall into doing them um and it, it might continue it, it it might not i think i think there's enough there now there's enough body of work there now because we've published a lot of free adventures for it as well so there's a there's a enough body of work now that i'm proud of it, of it as its own thing i don't think it's unfinished but who knows you know I don't want to say I'm never going to do anything again because you, you you don't know, do you? Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. If you enjoy the show, then please do share it with someone else you think might enjoy it too. And be sure to check out our Discord community of like-minded hobbyists, which you could find at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash Discord. It'd be great to see you in there.